my mind to start a sermon, a series on a topic of why does bad things happen to good people? I wanted to preach on that. Uh, that question is presented to me a lot. That, that if folks are trying to do well in life, uh, why doesn't God build a hedge around them? Or why do so many bad things seem to happen to we think to be very, very good people? Or maybe as you think about this pandemic, and folks have been affected by sickness of no fault of their own, and why does God allow these things to happen? Now, folks ask that sometimes. And that's a very logical and that's a very good question. And thankfully, the Bible has the answer. It certainly has the answer of why things happen like that. So it's, it's been my goal uh, to preach on this. And I put together a series of lessons, but it's going to take a week or two to cover that. And I want to preach that in the mornings as well. Uh, so, Lord's will, if the weather cooperates with us and uh, traffic does as it should, then next Sunday, we're blessed to be together. We're going to start that series and continue that series on through March. And I would say it'll take three or four Sunday morning services to, to fully cover that series. But, and I want to wet your whistle just a little, if I will. But let's not forget that we have an adversary in this world. Let's not forget about sin. Uh, let's not forget that none is good except God. And let's remember that when bad things happen, let's give credit to whom they truly belong. And that's Satan himself. Let's make sure that we give credit to him. And let's remember the one that gave his life to provide us a home in heaven when this life is over. So that no matter what Satan allows to happen or what comes your way, you are still the victor eternally no matter what. And let's also remember that the trials of life refine us like silver or gold. They help us appreciate the blessings that we have. And discipline makes our faith that much more tried and true. Let's remember those things as well. So looking forward, Lord's will, sharing that with you in the weeks to come. This morning, if you have your Bible, I would invite you please to open with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16 and verse 27. Matthew 16 and verse 27. And I want to talk to you this morning about the glory of Christ. Giving Christ all the glory. Recognizing Him as such. Glorious. And I want to share with you some points from Scripture that highlight His glory. Because we refer to Him in the songs that we sing, in the prayers that we offer, and how we profile the Lord in our conversation. Oftentimes we talk about His glory. We talk about how great Thou art. We talk about what God means to us individually. And we laud on Him titles that are worthy and necessary because He is just that. Glorious. Bold. Underlined. All caps, if you will. He's as glorious as it gets. 
and as lovely as any we could know. His glory will be manifest at His second coming. And that's exactly what this Scripture says. I called your attention once again. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 27. For the Son of Man, that's Christ Himself, shall come in the glory of His Father. Now see the connection. Realize the recognition of Father to Son and with His angels. And then He shall reward every man according to His works, to His deeds, to what He has done. It's echoed in Romans chapter 2 and verse 7, I believe, as well, rendering to every person according to their deeds, I believe is what is recorded in Romans chapter 2 and around verse 7 as well. It's going to be revealed. It's going to be manifest. As you know, that means made evident. It's going to be known to all. And there's going to be a judgment, and not just that, but a righteous judgment. We that have been obedient to Christ will gain the victory eternally not because we earned it and not because we deserved it but because our Lord is glorious and that is brought through His Father and those that serve Him. Secondly, three chapters to the right please. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 28. It's echoed in Matthew 24, 30. As well, what we're about to share, if you want to write that down for your notes and your personal study, Matthew 24 and verse 30 teaches this as well. But for our lesson this morning, Matthew chapter 19 and verse 28, His glory, His glorious nature is shared by believers, by the family of God. We enjoy this. Shared by believers. Matthew 19 and verse 28. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that you which have followed Me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of His glory, you shall also sit upon twelve thrones and judge the twelve tribes of Israel. Who is subject to you? Oftentimes we profile ourselves as weak, lowly, not doing too well. Perhaps God isn't as concerned with me as I think He is. And do you truly realize how blessed you are to be a part of the fold? To be a part of the family of God? Do you realize the eternal inheritance that is yours? That you have obtained by faith and trust in God through His Son, Jesus Christ, 
When the Bible says we are more than conquerors, do you realize what that means? You read a verse like this. You think about the twelve tribes of Israel. And when we think about that, we always think about the Old Testament. We think about how it's an example. And how it was a tutor. And how it was a schoolmaster. The covenant that existed between the Israelites and God and the Mosaic dispensation. And do you realize how blessed you are to live on this side of the cross? Where everything has been revealed to you in the pages of Scripture if it pertains to both life and Godness, it's yours. And we read a Scripture like this. And the parallel of Matthew 24, 30. Take a moment and realize your worth. Take a moment and realize your value in the sight of God and be humble further. And then take a moment and think about the authority that you possess when you follow God's direction for your life. When you are pleasing in His sight, what has been given unto thee. It'll be manifest at His second coming. That's solid. That's established. It's going to happen. It's shared by believers, all believers, both Jew and Gentile under a new covenant which is a fulfillment of the shadows of old. I believe every word of the Old Testament, don't you? I believe every word of the patriarchal age and every word of the Mosaic age and I believe that we can learn. I believe it's written for our learning. Romans 15.4 Crystal clear. But it brings us to Christ. And Matthew 17, 5 says, In all things you hear Him. There was Moses, there was Elijah transfigured, but it was Jesus that you are to hear. And we enjoy Christ's law today. The perfect law of liberty. And for some odd reason, it's difficult for some folks to grasp that. We appreciate the old. We believe every word. We have something infinitely better today. Jesus said, He did not come to destroy law and prophets. That's the entirety. But He came to fulfill. And now we have His precious law. And the church is available to both Jew and Gentile. And the worship of God through Christ, of Christian people of all nationalities, in spirit and in truth, true believers, is available now under this covenant. This is shared by believers. Christ is glorious. Thirdly, turn your Bible please. To John chapter 1. 
and verse 14. You'll be familiar with this Scripture. Many of you know it by heart. John chapter 1 and verse 14. It is revealed through the Incarnation because Jesus Christ is the Word and the Word is glorious. And that's exactly what is taught in John 1.14. Listen to the Bible. And the Word. Is that W capitalized in your Scripture? Why is that W capitalized? Because it's referring to someone. It's not just referring to this manuscript. It's referring to Jesus. That's a title. He is the Word. And the Word was made flesh. He left the joys of heaven. And He humbled Himself. He took on the likeness of a lowly old man like myself. Right? He dwelt among us. And we beheld what? What, what, what did they behold? His glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father... And He has something. He's full of something. He has a measure that is in its entirety. What's it say? Grace and truth. You cannot have the truth without the Word. Please let me say that again. I don't really want to miss that. Grace and truth is connected with the Word. And Jesus Christ is the Word. Our society today says, give me a relationship with God, but don't preach to me. That's what they say. Don't talk to me about doctrine. The world will say, we're not interested in that Bible. It's divisive, they'll say. Who knows who's right? Have you heard that? Everyone has their own interpretation. Have you heard that? Can you separate the Bible from Christ? How do we learn about grace and truth? Where did that come from? What came from the Word? Am I going to benefit you to stand up here and talk about myself or life experiences or national politics or what's going on in the media? Is that what we've gathered together for? You get that every day. Now how's the world doing? They're getting a steady diet of that every day. Of opinion, and experience, and there's confusion, and there's turmoil, and there's distress, and there's not unity, there's disunity. But when we come to the Word, which is Christ, it's full of glory, grace and truth. We put our opinions aside where God has legislated. 
and we love Him enough to follow the Word, it's a glorious life. Christ is exemplified. He's not the author of confusion. It's the same for everyone. We read the Bible. We do what it says. And if we don't like it, we're humble enough to say that falls on me. And therefore, I have a decision to make. Mold myself to be most Christ-like? Or is it all about me? And the all about me attitude will not lead to unity, will it? Now just lead to discord. So yes, we're humble. And we're followers of the truth, of the Word. And contained therein is grace and truth. And you can't sever it. Folks have tried for years and they're trying today. And they will fail. And Jesus will be victorious and His Word will continue. Amen. Never apologize for standing for the truth. Never. Now have love. Have tact. Speak the truth in love, yes. But don't let the world beat you down and browbeat you because you believe God's Word. And because there are change agents who would like to take it away. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 32, we think about the mount. And there's no doubt on the Mount of Transfiguration, Christ's glory was beheld. No doubt. And I just want to share one Scripture with you. We could have went to Matthew 17, but we'll go to a parallel account. Luke chapter 9, verse 32. Notice, Peter and they that were with Him. Luke 9, 32 were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, what happened? What happened on that mount? Well, they saw His glory. And they also saw the glory of the two men that stood with Him. And it scared them to death. I'm convinced of that. And it would have me as well. Have you ever been so startled that you just didn't know what to say? I sure have. You know what you'd like to say, but it doesn't come out. And maybe what does come out is not as crystal clear as you'd like it to be. So what did Peter say? This, this, this is good. This, this, this is good. It's good for us to be here. Let's make three tabernacles. Let's get to work. Three dwellings. There's Moses and Elijah. And you want to see the Old Testament personified. There they are. Those were heroes of the Jewish faith. Heroes. Judaizing teachers of the New Testament that had disdain for God through Christ. They're always talking about Moses. The book of Hebrews drives home the point that Moses is fine, 
But He's not Christ. Christ is the true deliverer. Moses but a man. I appreciate Moses. I know you do as well. But he's a man. Elijah, he's a hero of faith of mine. I really appreciate Elijah. Love to read about him. He's a man. Fallible. Unlike Christ. Infallible. Without fault. And glorious. God said, you hear my son. We said that just a few moments ago. You listen to Jesus. Don't build three. He built something. Jesus did. The kingdom. It's predicated on His blood. Purchased with the blood of Christ. And God allowed it. Why? Because He loves you. That's why. That's who we listen to. That's where the glory is found. In the church, the body, the very body of Jesus Christ. And this was no accident. Didn't happen haphazardly. It was not an afterthought. Before the foundation of the world, God knew, foreordained, and had the plan. Please turn with me to the Gospel of John. Chapter 17 and verse 5, please. I may have to quit yelling at you. Losing my breath. I love you dearly. John 17 and verse 5. What does it say? And now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had. Who's speaking? Jesus. Jesus said, I possess this glory Previously. Give it to me now. Was God willing? God was willing because Jesus only spoke the words of the Father because He was about God's will because He went about teaching and doing well, good things to others, all godly attributes. And is that a lesson for us? Amen. What should we be about? Ourselves? Personal gain? Or the glory of God? That glory can be yours as well. By the gift of God, His Son, if you're in Him, and if you live according to the precepts of the Bible, to the best of your ability, God knows you're not going to live a life of sinless perfection. He knows that. He's willing to forgive you when you stumble. Are we willing to forgive others when they do the same? Would that have congruence? 
Yes and yes. Exemplify Christ. Let's finish. The glory which I had with thee before the world was. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 3 teaches the exact same thing. John 17, 24, he says it again. At least three times, and I believe there's more. That's just in my notes. Christ asked for that glory and He was deserving. The only one was deserving. I've been going ahead a little bit in our Sunday morning Bible study lessons. Doing a couple extra lessons, getting ahead. And I came to Acts chapter 4. We've been studying on Acts. Of course, the very first question, or one of the very first questions, the only name under heaven, what does verse 12 say? There's one name. There's only one who's deserving. It sure not be. And that's Christ. The only name under heaven by which men may be saved. All of creation. Go into all the world and preach that Gospel. The Gospel of Christ. And he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He will not believe it. Will not respond. Will be condemned. It's simple, isn't it? It's easy to understand. They're glory associated. Lastly, this morning. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 12, please, has some titles. I always thought it was funny, and please humor me. I try not to do this too much. And I think it fits in here perfectly. I always thought it was funny where I used to work. People would go take a class and they get another title. No more money. No, no, no but another title. And when they sign their name, it takes them three minutes to sign their name. You've got to write initials after it. I have some initials I refuse to write. But anyway, they said, I worked hard for that. I'm going to write that. I thought, well, that's great, but you've got 27 letters there after your name. We just need you to sign. Okay? Folks love titles, right? Look at what I've accomplished in my life. Okay? Here's some titles that really matter. Okay? The titles that I carry do not matter one iota, as we say in Southeastern Kentucky. Not one iota does it matter. Okay? But here's the titles that do matter. Now, with that being said, there is one title that we possess in Christ that matters Christian. Wear that one proudly. But we don't just write it, do we? We don't sign Brent T. Baker Christian. No. We live that. That's exemplified in how you treat people and how you carry yourself. The language that you use, what you participate in, what you approve. Your manner of life, Christian or not. One of the two, right? Here's some titles. The glory of Christ is ascribed by the host of heaven. 
Revelation 5.12, saying with a loud voice, worthy, that's a title, is the Lamb, He was spotless, that was slain to receive power, to receive riches, to receive wisdom, strength, and honor, and glory, and to be blessed. As titles that belong to one worthy individual. Your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now I want you to forgive me. I'm not trying to give folks a hard time about writing after their name. Just thought it would be lighthearted. But those titles truly are deserving of our Lord who shed His blood, who paid the ransom, settled not His debt. He didn't settle His debt. He settled my debt. Our debt. And last week, I can't pay it. I can't even begin to pay the debt of my sin. And He settled that old account. And He washed it away through His death, burial, and resurrection. And when we make the decision, and here's the invitation this morning, when we make the decision to believe upon Jesus Christ, to take Him at His Word faithfully, and we read it, we say, I must repent because that's what I read. I must change the direction of my life. We make the decision to confess our faith before others. Because that's what I read. That's what they did in the book of Acts. Time and time again, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was the good confession that was made. I'll make that good confession, Lord. I take you at your word. And Acts 22.16 says, the preacher speaking, how will they hear? Romans chapter 10. How will they hear without a preacher? And unless one is sent, sent to do what? To proclaim. Why do thou tarry, O Saul? Arise and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord with that and washing away thy sins. Now I got that backwards. Washing away thy sins and calling on the name of the Lord. When you believe, when you read it for yourself, you put your faith in it, you are sharing as a believer in the glory of Jesus Christ and your sins are washed away. Because if He did not shed His blood on the cross of Calvary, you could not be buried into Him. To have your sins washed away and rise just like He did on the third day to walk in a newness of life, born again into Christ, clothed with white raiment, if you will. 
That's figurative in the book of Revelation, but we know what it means. Made pure. He washed the washing of water by the Word. Ephesians chapter 5. And it all comes back to accepting the glory of the One who is worthy, Jesus Christ, by believing His Word. If you are subject to the Gospel invitation this morning, please know a few things. We love you. I love you. And it's our joy to assist. Individuals have came with tractors and shovels and back power to give us an opportunity to be here this morning. They love you to hear God's Word. Be our joy to assist you in your response. If you have a need, and if we can be of service in any way, we implore you, we beg you to respond before it's everlasting too late. Whatever your need may be, if you are subject to the Gospel call this morning, won't you come as Brother Kevin comes to lead us in the hymn of decision.